Wow, can you believe it? Episode 2 is complete. Never thought I'd even get episode 1 done, but lo and behold, here we are. Man, I'm super excited because my original plan for this podcast was to get at least 3 listeners. We've already doubled that number, so I'm pretty stoked about that. But I got looking at the stats a little more carefully, and I noticed that out of those who listened, two people were from Ohio, so I'm not really sure they count. Oh, and I noticed we did have one listener from Arkansas, so that is pretty cool. I just hope they have more teeth than I have listeners. But hey, we are off to a great start, and I feel like I'm on a roll. I know in my family, I'm the only one who actually thinks I'm funny. So you're going to have to get used to that. Oh, well. All kidding aside, though, I truly appreciate that you would take time out of your busy day to listen to me. I really appreciate and I love all of you, even my friends in Ohio and Arkansas. Thanks for your support. Welcome to the Wild Christian Life Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Tyson, and I am ready to bring you a great show today. I've got all of my cool rocking bumper music in the queue, ready to go, and a few other surprises in today's podcast for you. But before I get started, I wanted to let you know that you can find out more about my speaking ministry, my books I've written at Tyson.life, and that is Tyson with an I. Also, this podcast is commercial free, so if you like what you hear and you'd like to contribute to support this podcast, uh, so maybe I can advertise and reach more people, uh, you can do that at Tyson.life as well. It doesn't have to be that much, maybe just $5, $10, or $5 billion dollars. Whatever you feel led to contribute, no pressure there. Anyways, I decided to go uh, commercial free for now so that we don't uh, disrupt any ministry that might happen through the podcast. And I wanted to just kind of have a good flow to it and and not have you be annoyed with uh, commercials. So that's why I'm doing it this way. But anyways, thanks for your support. I really appreciate it. And before we get started, let's just open in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, the people that are listening here. I just thank you for all that you do in our lives. I thank you for creating us with a purpose, on purpose. And I just pray that we would uh, live out the life that you've called us to do. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was 20 and I was super excited to be traveling out west in search of elk on my first ever bow hunting trip in the mountains of Colorado. The long trek out there in a 1970s motorhome made it all the more interesting, but I would be grateful for even the modest of comforts that vehicle offered. Because somewhere between Iowa's cornfields and pig farms and Nebraska's tumbleweeds, I came down with a serious case of food poisoning. I'm not sure if it was the beef jerky, the truck stop food, or the botulism on a stick you see placed on those warmer rollers. They were good, but man, I paid the price. Somehow I just can't seem to turn down fine cuisine like truck stop food. I spent the next couple of days traveling and locked in this tiny bathroom of the motorhome. When we finally arrived, I was still sick and missed out on the morning hunt. The trip of a lifetime, and I'm spending it inside. Around noon, I began to feel a little better, but I just had to get out there and hunt. So I left my dad a note, grabbed a Snickers bar, a bottle of water, and my bow, and I headed up a trail across from base camp. After a couple of hours of slowly stalking this trail, I finally reached the top of the mountain with no luck. I knew that I needed to get off this trail and into the dark timber surrounding me. I left the trail and descended about 300 yards down the left side of the ridge and stumbled upon a muddy wallow. 
It was a spring running out of the mountainside, and the elk were using it as a place to roll around and help them cool down. You see, elk run very hot, so you'll usually find them during the warmer temperatures in the higher elevations at a water hole or a muddy wallow like this. This was perfect. I was exhausted, dehydrated, and still feeling some effects from the bout with the food poisoning. So I set up a makeshift blind and enjoyed being able to rest. 30 minutes later, in a few brief moments of dozing off, I heard a loud snap, putting me back into alert state, and then I saw this dark shadow emerge from the dark timber. It was a 4x5 raghorn bull elk. And with a lucky shot, I was able to harvest the elk, but found myself in a difficult situation of trying to process the animal on a steep mountainside. And with a 600 to 700 pound animal wanting to slide further down, I knew that I needed to get help. I left the elk and I climbed back to the top of the ridge. When I reached the top, I couldn't find the trail. And that is when I had entered what is known as stage one when people find themselves lost in the wilderness. Stage one is denial. You deny the fact that you are lost. My brain began to retrace my steps. I had left the trail at the top of the mountain and descended and found the muddy wallow. I shot the elk and chased him parallel to the trail and ridge above. I found the elk and I climbed back to the top of the ridge. The trail should be here. I'm not lost. The trail is lost. But when you are lost, your brain is often missing some key information and it can only process what it knows. In my situation, the dark timber had obscured the fact that when I chased the elk that I had actually gone on to another finger ridge of the mountain. So I was certain that I was exactly where I was supposed to be. The problem was I was on a totally different mountain top and there was no trail on that one. When it finally sunk in that something wasn't right, I rolled quickly into stage two, which is panic with a great sense of urgency to do something. I didn't know what to do, but the first thing I thought of was I was wearing white underwear. I thought that if I cut it up into tiny little strips, I could leave trail markers, kind of like Hansel and Gretel did with their breadcrumbs. This way I could either find my way back or someone would find me. I quickly uh, scrapped that idea because who wants chafing in the mountains, right? Plus, that was probably a bad idea back then. I probably only weighed about 155 to 165 pounds and and uh, my underwear probably would have only gone about 10 yards. But if I had gotten lost today, man, I could have gone miles with that. But here I am. I'm in a state of panic, and I don't know what to do. And so I, I reach into my pocket, and I pull out this compass. And I realize, man, I'm found. This is awesome. You can't be lost with a compass unless you don't know what direction to go in. And I wasn't paying attention when my dad told me, in case of an emergency, head southeast. And so I panicked and I decided I'm going to go southwest. And I headed southwest as fast as I could go. And I'm climbing down mountains and I'm climbing up mountains and I'm crossing rivers and um, trying to jump over this big dark timber. And man, it was a lot of work and it was hard. And, and But I just took off because I thought the faster that I go the sooner I'm going to be rescued. I continued on. I had shot the elk at probably about three or four in the afternoon. By this time now, it had already been dark for a couple hours. My my little tiny flashlight that I had had with me had already died, and, and I'm just moving in the dark, and I'm just going. 
And finally, about midnight, I climb to the top of this ridge and I get up there and it's dark out and I'm, I'm kind of bent over, putting my hands on my knees, trying to catch my breath. And all of a sudden, God's grace shows up and he opens the clouds. He parts the clouds and out comes this full moon. And it just lights up this field of golden heather that I was in. And man, I'm sitting there and now all of a sudden I can see. And I look down and I'm standing on a two-track trail. It was like an ATV motorcycle type of a trail. And if those clouds hadn't parted, I never would have saw that trail. And I would have just continued on. And so now here I am. I, I enter what is known as stage three when you find yourself lost in the wilderness. You formulate a new plan to get yourself out of the mess you're in. And so now with this trail, I knew that I could follow it. And wherever it led, as long as it went downhill, that was the direction that I was going. That was my new plan. Follow this trail all the way down the mountainside. And that was what it was going to be. So I head off to the left and I start following the trail. And right away, the trail goes up probably one of the steepest mountains in the area. No way am I going up that. So I decided I'm going the other way. I turn around and I start following this trail. Occasionally, I'd come to a fork in the road and I'd have to decide which way to go. Sometimes I'd make a wrong decision and I'd go about a quarter of a mile, half a mile, and the trail would just end. And I'd have to come back and take the other path. It was late in the morning and I finally just collapsed on the trail. I was exhausted and I was freezing. It was 75 degrees during the day, but at nighttime it had dropped down into the high 30s. And man, I was starting to freeze and I knew I needed to build a fire. And so I got one going and, and um, it's amazing when you build a fire, how many critters want to come and check you out. And it actually was getting so bad. I was walking around and I, I kicked this thing and I pick it up and it was a volleyball. And it said Wilson on the side. That was a joke for the older generation. But uh, so now here I am, I've entered what is known as stage four. You have a breakdown when you realize your plan isn't working. A spiritual, mental, emotional, physical breakdown when your plan fails. So I gathered around that fire as best I could to try to stay warm. And I just prayed a lot saying, God, you know, help me get out of here. Help me to be found. Help me to be rescued. And I just waited for that sun to rise. And when that sun rose, you could see the, the light just penetrating through the trees. And man, it just gave you this renewed hope. And it's amazing that when the sun comes through and, and um, erases the darkness, just what hope that it brings to people. And for me, man, it was just the best feeling ever. I was, the, the thought of being scared had kind of diminished a little bit. And, and uh, I was like, okay, this feels good. And that's when I entered stage five, resignation. You resign yourself to the fact that you were lost and it's not gonna be any effort on your part to save you. It's gonna take the effort of somebody else to come and to rescue you and to get you out of the mess that you're in. And that is when I decided to do whatever it took to stay alive and to keep on going until somebody was able to rescue me. I continued on that next morning and into the day and eventually I ended up finding this dirt road. 
I stepped out onto the dirt road and I looked to my left and there was nothing there. I looked off to my right and I can see this tiny little cloud, dust cloud. And I could see that it was a tiny little car just coming my way. It was miles away, but I could see it. And as it was coming, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm found. And then it hit me. I realized, man, if I don't do something, I'm still going to be on my lost and aimless wandering. So as this car pulled up, I stepped out into the road and I flagged him down. And, I, and as he pulled over, he, he was this guy with a big old mustache and a cowboy hat and deep voice, kind of like Wilford Brimley. And he said, son, what's going on? And so I told him the whole story about how I had had food poisoning. I shot a bull elk and I've been lost in the mountains. And uh, I said, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to get back home. And he's like, all right, hop in the car and I'll take you. I, I think I might know where you're at. And, and so I hopped in and we drove for, for a long time. And uh, I think I had figured out that I had probably walked anywhere from maybe 15 to 17 miles away from base camp. So we're, we're driving and we finally find our base camp trail and we're driving towards it and I can see my dad is in that blazer that we had towed behind the motorhome and he is driving 100 miles an hour. They had been up all night looking for me and he was on his way to the search and rescue station to call in for help. We wave him down and I get out and my dad gives me this big old bear hug and he's like, Mike, man, I'm so glad you're safe in my arms. Man, I love you so much. Some of you listening are already followers of Christ. And at some point in your life, you were spiritually lost and you've worked through these stages that I've mentioned. For those who don't know Jesus Christ or know that you don't have a personal relationship with him, let me ask you a question. What stage are you? Are you in stage one? Denial. You deny that God even exists. Just like in my story, my brain didn't have all of the information. I thought I was exactly where I was supposed to be, but the truth of it all was that I was not. You see, God has revealed himself to us in many ways. Uh, think of creation. Look all around you and you will see God's handprint. Watch National Geographic videos and you will see God at work in amazing ways. God has revealed himself through man. Look at the complexity of our bodies and how it all works together. And then think about the things like morality and how we love other people and stuff. Where does that come from? And God has revealed himself through the Bible, through his son Jesus, through his angels and more. The Holy Bible, which is God's word, says in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. And he's talking about men are without excuse. Some of you may be in stage two, panic, with a great sense of urgency to do something, but you don't know what to do. You are looking for peace or satisfaction or fulfillment in the wrong things. 
You chase after the things of this world, money, sex, alcohol, drugs, or maybe you spend all your time at work or involved in sports or your favorite hobbies, but nothing seems to give you the peace that you are looking for. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, to set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. You see, God has called us to something much greater. And others of you are in stage three. You're formulating a new plan to try and get yourself out of the mess that you find yourself in. Or you're just trying to work your way into heaven. Maybe you feed the poor. Maybe you give money to the homeless. You donate to charitable causes. You maybe even go to church, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Or really even know what that means. In Romans chapter 2, in verse 8, the Bible says, But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Maybe you're in stage 4. You are having a spiritual, physical, and emotional breakdown when you realize that your plan isn't working. Everything you've tried has failed, and you are at the breaking point. But here's the good news that should help propel you on to stage five, which is resignation. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, you can't save yourself. You can't work your way into heaven. God is a holy God and because of the sins of man, we cannot be in his presence. But because he loves us so much, he has an easy plan of salvation for each and every one of us. He doesn't ask you to jump through hoops. He just asks that you surrender and resign yourself to the fact that you are spiritually lost and that you need his son to come and save you. But you need to understand this, that we are all sinners, you, me, everyone. Romans 3.23 says that, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that's not all. Our sins have consequences. And the Bible is very clear that the payment for our sins is death. But there is a promise there too. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But because God loves you so much... He sent his only son, Jesus, down here on this earth to live a sinless life, die a brutal death, and to rise again on the third day, which he did. All he asks of you is that you believe, and if you truly believe, you can know for sure that when you die, and you will die, that you will spend all of eternity with him in heaven and not in hell, punished and separated from him for all of eternity. See, we never know when we're going to pass away. My mom died at the age of 64. I had a friend of mine whose young daughter passed away at the age of four. And I've got friends 16, 20, in the 30s that have passed away unexpectedly. A great Christian man that I know um, went to work one day and um, didn't come home because of an accident at work. You never know what's going to happen. Resign yourself to the fact that it is not going to be any effort on your part to rescue you. It is going to take the effort of somebody else to come in and save you. 
And that person, his name is Jesus. And here's how you can accept the free gift that God offers you here today, right now. It's simple. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Friends, our time here on earth is short. God is more magnificent than we could ever imagine, and he doesn't make it complicated. He brings it down to our level. In fact, he came down to our level to raise us up with him. I hope today that you are in stage five and ready to surrender to him. You can do it right now. You don't need my words, but here's a short prayer to help guide you through the process of giving your life over to Jesus and accepting him to be Lord and Savior of your life. You can pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I have committed sins that I am not proud of. I ask you to forgive me for the sins I have committed and the sins that I will commit in the future. I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you are the rescue plan for us. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again and now sit in heaven. You did this all for me while I was still a sinner. Thank you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you and I ask that you would come into my heart and save me from my sins and make me into the person that you've called me to be and that you've created me to be. Thank you for your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Man, if you said this prayer or your own prayer, then rejoice because the angels in heaven are already rejoicing and partying. Whenever somebody's name is written into the Lamb's book of life, man, it is a great day for them and they are partying like crazy. So man, if you accepted Christ here today, please contact me, let me know so I can give you some resources, uh, maybe help you find a church if you don't have one. Um, but I would just love to share with you and, and, and find out your story and your journey. If you listen to my first podcast, you will know that one of the things I want to do on this podcast is to highlight people who are out there living the wild Christian life in their sphere of influence and getting it done. In that first episode, I played a song called My Hometown by Paul Bobo. Well, I wasn't expecting to play another one of his songs, but when I started to work on the podcast, one of his songs came to my mind. I feel like I'm supposed to play this song because I know that there are people out there who feel trapped because of an area of sin in their life. But I just want you to know that confession, forgiveness, and repentance in and through Christ is what leads to freedom. I don't know what you may be struggling with, but I hope this song, I Killed the Handle by Paul Bobo, will speak to you today. That coat and town every day did my thing. I was still believing a lie he told me. Not too many folks could tell I was good at the hiding all the pain and sadness that kept me from being free. Yo, when 
through the motions was good enough for me. I lost my moral compass, so the devil took the lead. I was filled with emotion I did not think I'd need. So I made that poor a little more till something broke in me. It was a long, hard battle, biggest of my life. Did it for my kids, did it for my wife. I was faced down in hell, but the devil lost his fight. It was the night I killed the handle and got a handle on my life. I can't say for certain, but it was painful long ago. I kind of let it fester and it sent me down this road. I never needed a party, just a drink to loosen the load. Days and weeks, years went by as the whiskey took my soul. It was a long, hard battle, biggest of my life. Did it for my kids, did it for my wife. I was face down in hell, but the devil lost his fight. It was the night I killed the handle and got a handle on my life. Come on. about you but man I love the message of that song The Night I Killed the Handle by Paul Bobo I bet we all have a handle that's got a control of our life and it's probably time for us to kill that handle and get a handle on our lives for some it might be dependence on alcohol or drugs if you're like me it's junk food and sugary drinks for others it might be that you like to control things or maybe pornography has got a strong grip on you Friends, it's time to surrender to God, ask for his forgiveness, and to turn and repent from these things. I know that the inspiration for this song came about when a friend of Paul's did this very thing and changed his whole life for the good. What a powerful song and message. I know there is someone out there listening that needed to hear this. I know it has inspired me as well. I hope it has inspired you. And I just want to say to Paul Bobo, keep on writing and using music to inspire people and teaching the world what, the, what living the wild Christian life is all about. Friends, thanks for listening. I'll be praying for you. Please pray for me. And if you get the chance, check us out on Facebook and leave me a message. 
I'd love to hear if you accepted Christ or what this podcast message really, you know, how it affected you or whether it hit home with you. Or you can contact me on my website at tyson.life. Friends, living the wild Christian life is not easy, especially in this day and age. So many temptations, so many distractions. But let's learn to surrender to God and let it make a difference in our lives. Keep living out the faith and dare to be dangerous. Until next time, peace out. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Wake up. Come on. Wake up, man. What did you miss? Well, Trump is still president. Kanye saw the light. And uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. You are, without a doubt, my number one fan. Thanks for listening to the very end.